Hello, football faithful, and welcome back to a special episode of the Double Doink Podcast. I am your host, Brendan Deke. You can follow me on Twitter at Eagles Talk underscore. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. Make sure to check out yesterday's episode. I'm um, gonna give us a rating, give us five stars, whatever you can do to help us out. And today we I'm happy to introduce we have a special guest um with us today. But before I do that, I want uh to bring in my co-host, Mr. Eric Warner is with us. Eric, how are you doing today? Not bad, not bad. Uh Yesterday, it looked like I had never played golf in my life, so I'm still, get, <laughs> still getting over that and looking forward to getting back to the course tonight. Yeah, it was your first day back in a couple of days, so I'll give you that one. Um, but let's uh, let's bring in our special guest here, um, Brian Hayes, host of TSN Overdrive from 4 to 7 on TSN Radio and TSN Channels. Brian, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm great. Thank you for having me, boys. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, you're one of the most recognizable voices um, in Canada, I'm sure everyone listening um, in Canada knows your voice, so I really appreciate you jumping on. Before we get into sports, I just want to kind of ask you a quick question here. What's it kind of been like during the COVID-19 working from home? Um, do you miss being in the studio with the guys? Um, how's it like with your family running around at home while you're recording? How's the how's it all been the past couple months? Yeah, it's been a huge adjustment. Uh, one I, I never uh, planned on and, and certainly never hoped would actually end up happening, and Hopefully, once we get back into the studio, we'll never have to do it again because uh, I do miss the, the studio. I miss the energy. Uh, that's what makes doing radio and TV and the shows, um, I think, so much fun and, and leads to a lot of times the, the best shows are just based on the energy levels within the room. And because we've been disconnected for four months and four months plus, uh, I don't know if the same spark has been there, but I've been pretty proud of the show and the way it's worked out because... Uh, we're lucky. Everyone at TSN has been very supportive and um, everyone on the tech side and the engineering side, they've set us up really well at home. And We found a bit of a rhythm and the show, I don't know if it sounds the exact same, doesn't look the exact same, but uh, it feels somewhat similar. And now that sports is returning, it's really going to start feeling, I think, like it used to. And because it was really, it was, it was, uh, it, it was a double shot in many ways. On one hand, we're at home, so we're not in the studio. But on the other hand, the sports world shut down. So, you know, the primary source of content for us uh, disappeared pretty quickly. So it's been a big adjustment. Uh, I hope we can get back into the studio some point soon. I'm not sure when that is. Uh, but I will say, you know, wrapping up the show at 7 and walking right upstairs and being at home, I'm not really complaining about that either. So it's, it's, been, uh, it's been unique. It's been different. And uh, hopefully once we get back to the real world, we'll, we'll never have to do it again. Yeah, I've been real amazed at uh, how enter- just how entertaining the show has been, uh, despite no sports. It uh, really shows just how strong uh, the show is. Um, but let's jump right into uh, the Leafs here. Um, nobody overreacts to an exhibition game quite like Toronto. And um, the big topic around here is Nick Robertson right now. Is he going to get in the lineup? If you were Sheldon Keefe, uh, do you have Nick Robertson playing game one versus Columbus? And if so, who would be out of the lineup? Yeah, I, I think I would, and I think he will. I think based on his post-game comments last night, he, he was um, – I thought he was pretty flattering towards him. You know, he seemed he seemed to really indicate that he liked his game. And, and I, I liked his game last night, too. I think there's going to be some learning curves. Um, I didn't think it was the greatest game last night. It was a glorified scrimmage. You know, both, both teams looked – fairly sharp and I think the effort was there but they're getting used to no fans it's their first game in four months there's an easing into a process so it's really difficult to gauge 
how Robertson looked last night against Montreal in an exhibition game and apply that to a real game Sunday night against Columbus. But I think he showed enough last night. And I think the fact that, that Sheldon Keith has had Robertson on that third line uh, for, for the better part of a week now would indicate that that's, that's him kind of showing his hand. I think he's going to give it a shot. And I think you've got you to give credit to that third line in general. It wasn't just Robertson. Um, I thought Kapanen played really well last night. Kerfoot obviously had a big game. So I, I do think he will play. I think it will likely be at the expense of Pierre Engvall because I, I think Freddie the Goat is a guy he can win draws and you know exactly what you're getting out of him. He is, he is the most basic player in the NHL. And I, I, that's, I guess, somewhat taking a shot at him. But I think that's why he continues to stay in the NHL. I think he should take that as uh, a compliment in many ways because he's very predictable. He's a big guy doesn't use his size as much as he should and as much as I would like to see it, but he's positionally strong. He wins a draw. He keeps it safe and he gets off the ice. And I think if you're taking a bit of a gamble with a guy like Robertson as a rookie stepping into his first playoff game, you'd be doing the same with Pierre Engvall in many ways, who has never played in a playoff game in the NHL. So um, I would, I would guess at this point, Robertson plays on that third line. Gauthier plays on the fourth line at least for game one, but I wouldn't be shocked if, if Sheldon Keith uh, changes things up even between games one and two, even if they win game one. I think he's more than willing to do that. Yeah, it must have been it must have been pretty weird for Nick Robinson last night, your first, well, it wasn't a, a, considered an NHL game, but your first uh, time stepping on the ice with NHL players, no fans in the stands. Um, it must have been just kind of a weird experience for him, but he's definitely a guy to watch. Um, coming up in the next couple of days, what they're going to do going to game one against Columbus on Sunday. So um, kind of an overall kind of team outlook here. They did look like they had a little spunk in the step last night. Morgan Riley, to me, looked he was flying around the ice. Um, Hyman looked great. I think the team overall was kind of an encouraging signs going into the series against Columbus. Um, I kind of want to ask you a big picture question here. Does uh, beating Columbus make this season a success, or do you think they need to win kind of a full seven-game series after Columbus? Like, what do you think kind of the big picture is here? Um, yeah, I, I, I hesitate to say it would be a success because I, I think prior to the year, it depends on where, where you start, uh, the expectations or, or where you're, you're, how far you're willing to go back in terms of where your mentality was, uh, with the team. In other words, um, in, you know, four months ago when they were still playing and they were wildly inconsistent and they weren't even a lot to make the playoffs. I think they were going to get there if they played 82, but it was no guarantee at that point, if you told me they won around, I'd say, wow, I'm almost surprised because uh, I didn't have a lot of faith in the way they were playing. So at that point I would say, okay, there's some redemption. Yeah. I would consider that a success based on the roller coaster season. If they, if they win in the playoffs, we'll take that. And at least it's a stepping stone. It's something you can take from this year where you say they did technically move forward. But if you recall the expectations before the season started in September, it was at a minimum you went around, uh, at a minimum. Like, it's time to get going here, right? They have not won around as a team in over 15 years. And this core has been paid, and they're veterans now. They've had the playoff experience. There's no excuses for them not going on a cup run. So I think if it's based on your expectations from September, simply winning a five-game qualifying round against a team like Columbus, who no one thought would be in the playoffs, and the Leafs clearly have more talent then, uh, I don't think that would be considered uh, enough. I think they would need to do more than that. So I'm going to base it on the whole C 
season and based on where I was at in September. Uh, so I would suggest they need to do more than just beat Columbus for this to be considered a success. Uh, but at the very least, if they get by Columbus and they run into a wall in the next round, it's some sort of victory. It's some sort of stepping stone. And I'm sure that's how they would, they would try to qualify it. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Um, last year, we saw the Toronto Raptors go on a championship run, and we saw a couple of uh, secondary players off the bench, such as Van Vliet and Powell, really step up. Um, if the Leafs are going to get to that le- championship level, they're going to need some secondary players to step up. Um, is there a guy or two that you think could be really, really important for this playoff run? Well, um, I look at a guy like uh, Ilya Mikheyev, who I think has had a great camp and he scored last night and he looked good to me as, as a guy who's not going to get a, any attention in the top six. It's all going to be focused on Matthews, Tavares, Marner, and Nylander. Uh, but I, I think, and you know what you're going to get out of Zach Hyman. Like, Hyman is going to bring the exact same energy and production. If McCann can solidify that top six and and chip in and be an offensive weapon and someone that can really trigger more offense out of Tavares and not only rely on Marner, I think he, he, will, he will be a guy that factors in. But ultimately, I think it's going to come down to the defense core um, and the, the team defense. You know, I think they're going to find a way to score enough uh, it goes without saying that Freddie Anderson is remarkably important. I mean, we know that. So I think it's got to be on the defense core. Um, and I, I look at a guy like Tyson Berry, and can he finally uh, show up for this team? You know, like he had such a disappointing year. He never found a rhythm. Can he be a playoff performer? Is he one of those guys that when you get into the playoffs, it triggers something inside of him, and all of a sudden he starts to perform? I would look at maybe his – is uh, deep pair in, in Travis Dermott, who spent a little bit of time paired with Morgan Riley last night. And I think he's got the potential to, to do exactly what you just described, as someone that maybe elevates his game and plays more minutes and gets more of an opportunity, because I don't have a ton of faith in Cody Cece. I think Cody Cece has defined who he is as a player. I think he's a third-pairing guy. So if it's not going to be Cody Cece, it's likely going to be one of Tyson Berry or Travis Dermott. So Who's going to play with Riley? And Riley, I thought, looked great last night. Like, that was Morgan Riley from a year ago. That's what was lacking all year because of his injury. He's healthy. He looks great. He's in shape. If Riley's going to play 24, 25 minutes a night and Hall and Muzzin are going to be a shutdown pair, who's that fourth defenseman that can, can solidify your top four? I don't think it's going to be CeCe. So I think it's got to be one of, uh, of Tyson Berry or Travis Dermott. And if one of them can do it and seize the moment and supply big, you know, top four moments, I think that could be a real game changer for this team. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Maybe one of the only silver linings of this whole COVID situation was that the Leafs get McKayev back in their lineup. Uh, It looked like he was done for the year. And uh, I agree. I think he looks great in that top six. Um, And it's a great point about Barry. I think he also probably more than anyone – is itching to get back out there, show that what he did in that first half of the season wasn't him, and he's looking to cash in on that contract, right? So I think he's he's real excited to get back out there. And yeah, um, that, that's that's huge. The the contract I think is a, is a big big point. Like he he lost himself some money this year based on his play, and now with COVID and the salary cap and everything flat, it's going to be even more difficult to to find money and squeeze money out of teams. But if you can go on a big playoff run, which you're going to need your whole team to help you with, 
But if Tyson Berry is a guy who sticks out and outperforms expectations, he might be able to find some more of that money that he thought he lost. Right. And going back to the COVID layoff, um, the Leafs are a younger team. Raptors are a veteran team. Do you think this COVID layoff will benefit a veteran team, a younger team, or do you, do you even think it, it could be different between the different sports? I think it can likely be different uh, between the two sports, but I think ultimately it comes down to, a, to a, an attitude. And I, I'm not sure the Leafs have it. I don't know if the Leafs have a do or die, we're going to make this work, we're going to make this happen, we don't care what kind of curveball you throw at us, we're going we're gonna to hit a home run type of mindset and type of attitude. And I don't think that matters if you're young or if you're old. It's just something that's, you know, it's a part of your DNA. I think the Leafs still have to prove that they have that. The Raptors have got it. You know, the Raptors, I have full faith that the Raptors are actually going to capitalize on this whole situation. Everything I have heard, everything I have read um, indicates that the Raptors are all business all the time. They're not sulking. They're not complaining. They're not on Instagram. They're not on Twitter. They don't care about anything that's going on outside of their schedule and their pursuit of another championship. And I think that mentality, especially in this world that we're currently living in and in a bubble in Orlando where there's no fans, I think it's going to go a long way. So I don't think it necessarily matters young or old. I think it's more about your mood, about your attitude, about your approach and how professional you're willing to be, how many sacrifices you're willing to make. And I think the Raptors uh, have proven that they're willing to do that, and they will do that, and I fully expect that out of them. Uh, as for the Maple Leafs, the jury's out, and that's why this is a big opportunity for them to completely change the narrative and completely change the reputation. Who are you as a team? Are you a team we should believe in? Uh, we'll find out starting Sunday night. Yeah, you make a good point. It's kind of interesting. Both these teams are kind of in different spots. Like the Raptors have already been there, done that. They got the veteran poise. Uh, Kyle Lowry was taking charges last night. Like, and, and, and a game against the mm-hmm. Phoenix Suns, which they, they got smoked. They didn't look good uh, anyways. But like the guy was still lining up for charges. Um, I think he took like four charges in, in their uh, in these uh, scrimmage games. Right. So like the guys like that, like they have that veteran veteran leadership, and it's 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 cool to kind of see the different uh, the the different ways that these teams are right now. Like they're both in kind of uh, they're both in kind of a different scenarios. What one team's young, one team's older, and I think it's going to benefit the veteran guys. And I'm with you on this. I think the Raptors have a huge advantage, kind of going into this. They got healthy, Marcus Saul, um, back and healthy, Ibaka back healthy, Larry back healthy. So this team is ready to rock. And they had one scare with Van Vliet, um, and it looks like he's good to go. So let's kind of transition over to the other sport that's going on. The one sport that actually is playing some meaningful games. The Toronto Blue Jays um, have been in action the past few days. A couple blown leads. I've been very frustrated with this bullpen. Um, but they've got some starting pitching that's actually been good. Um, Thornton's been well. Tanner Rourke was uh, was awesome last night. Um, the big guy coming in tonight, Trevor uh, Trevor Pearson, um, our uh, our uh, our big prospect that we got. What's um what's your kind of uh, what's your kind of outlook on the Jays going forward? Do you think they got a shot? Um, kind of making squeezing in with the sixty game season. And um, what's your what's your expectation for Pearson tonight? Yeah, I I do think they've got a shot. I think the expanded playoffs. Uh, that should have had the Blue Jays salivating because I think if you get to about 30 wins, if you're 500, you got a shot to backdoor in as either the wild card or the second wild card. I don't, you know, we'll see what happens with the Yankees. We'll see what happens with the Rays. Those are the two teams that are projected to, to be ahead of the Blue Jays. They are better than the Blue Jays based on where they are as organizations. But this is the, the COVID 
season, the COVID era. I mean, there's no fans. Who knows what what to truly expect? It's almost impossible to predict. But I like where the Jays are at. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. Roark looked great last night. I think Ryu is a guy you can rely on. He didn't have a great start. Like, he didn't go deep into the game, but he looked good. He looked comfortable. He's going to be money. Uh, Pearson is the ultimate wild card. And he, you know, this is almost too much pressure, and it's, it's totally unfair to play from the shoulders of the kid. But he might actually be the swing vote. You know, he may be the guy that pushes them over the edge because – the bullpen is in shambles now. Giles is done for an extended period of time, let alone the rest of the season. That's going to be patchwork, you know, the whole year. Them trying to just get a bullpen together that can give them any sort of consistency. But if Pearson can show up and be a stud and put up numbers and be a up, you know, guy that's like a two-three in the rotation, I think they've got a shot. You know, I really do. I think they got a shot at getting a thirty-one or thirty-two wins. And ultimately, it's not. When you expand the playoffs the way that they did in baseball, you don't need to rely on crazy winning streaks. All you got to do is avoid losing streaks, and you're going to be in it. You know, and if if you can do that, if you can avoid losing more than two in a row at any point this season, then you're always going to be within striking distance. And they sh- they're they're three and two. They should be four and one. They should have taken two or, two out of three at the trot, maybe all three. And they played great in DC the last two nights. So I expected. To continue, that's without Bichette, that's without Gritchick last night. Um, they are a team that I think is going to have the offense. I think the rotation will be there again if Pearson can step up and, and feel comfortable and supply something. The bullpen and the defense make it feel a little bit shaky, and I think over 162 games, uh, a, a weak bullpen, if that's what it's going to be, and kind of weaker defense might cripple you towards the end of the season over 162. But if it's only 60 with expanded playoffs, uh, I think the Jays absolutely have a shot, and I would expect they'll be in it uh, up until pretty much the end of the season. Yeah, you know what? It's kind of cool to see like this, uh, like Vladdy and Bichette so far haven't been that flashy. I mean, Vladdy didn't hit home run the other night, but it's guys like Fisher, guys like Jansen. These guys are stepping up right now, and if this can continue and if the bullpen can kind of hold on, I've been uh, I've been ripping their bullpen on Twitter lately. But, yeah, I feel like, yeah this is exciting to watch. I hope with uh, I hope the whole COVID situation can get figured out in Miami, and I hope everything can, everyone can stay healthy and we can uh, get a finish to this. All right, let's wrap up here. I want to ask one quick football question to you. I know you're a big Packers fan. Um, Eric here is a big Bears fan, so you guys definitely battle it out. But um, I want to just quickly uh, get your uh, get your opinion on the Packers this offseason. They uh, they trade up, draft Jordan Love in the first round. Um, Packers fans didn't really like it. Um, it was kind of a shaky pick, and then they go and don't even get Aaron Rodgers' wide receiver. They take a power back in the second round. Um, were you frustrated as other Packers fans were this offseason, or what was your kind of overall opinion on it? Yeah, I, I was frustrated from the second round on that they didn't find a way to to find more weapons offensively. I, I was okay. I was one of the very few Packer fans who was supportive of the Jordan Love uh, pick as long as they are fully committed to what Jordan Love represents. Uh, and what I mean by that is my concern is that this head coach and this front office, they don't have the self-esteem or the confidence to deal with an ego like Aaron Rodgers. And instead of just approaching him and dealing with him and making sure you're on the same page and getting the most out of him, I hope it wasn't kind of a passive-aggressive, we're going to push you out. And, hey, this is our team now, and we're doing it our way. And if you don't like it, well, you can leave. Um, 
I hope that it was this Jordan Love is so good and so legit, and we think under his wing two or three years from now, he is going to explode and truly be a top seven or eight quarterback in the league. If that was their mentality, that Love was just too good, and they traded up to get him, so you would hope that that was the case, then I support it because it's the one position I'm always willing to look to the future for. And if any team in football should understand that, it's the Packers. Like, it's, it's deja vu. I'm, I, I know the situation is a little bit different because Rodgers was falling and they didn't trade up. And Favre was kind of at that point, you know, it was a different era. Quarterbacks weren't playing until they were 40 and no one knew what was going to happen with Brett Favre. But at the time, everyone was freaking in Green Bay as well. Like, well, they took Rodgers. You still got Brett. Why don't you take a wide out? Why don't you take a running back? Why don't you add weapons? And then it turns out Aaron Rodgers is, you know, as good, if not better than Brett Favre. And it was the greatest transition in the history of football. I don't think Jordan Love is going to be the next Aaron Rodgers necessarily. But if that is their philosophy, if the organization's philosophy is we always want to have a next quarterback waiting to pass the baton to, Packers fans should appreciate that. Because if you don't have a quarterback, you are irrelevant in the NFL. It is the one position. If you do not have a quarterback, you are completely irrelevant. Talk to the Browns about that. Talk to the Bills about that. Talk to the Jags about that. There are teams that have just been hovering around for two decades because they couldn't find one. If they believe in two or three years, Jordan Love can truly step in and continue this winning atmosphere that they've had for two decades. I support it. I'm all for it. I get that philosophy. Now, why you didn't take a wide out or some more weapons in the second, third, fourth, fifth round and beyond, I, I don't know why they didn't find someone else in free agency or make some sort of a trade if it was available. That I can't figure out and that I don't necessarily love. But I think they got a lot of talent. They were, what were they, 13-3 and three last year. They went to the NFC Championship game. I think they'll be a double-digit win team again this year. So, you know, it's all good. As much as I, I would have loved them to improve in different ways, um, I still think they're good enough to be a playoff team. Yeah, I think you nailed it. Like, I think Packers fans, I, we have another uh, good buddy that's a Packers fan, and I was trying to tell him, like, look, it's always good to have a quarterback in the making, and you Packers fans have been spoiled, right? Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, like, you guys always have someone to pass the torch to, and I know Jordan Love, he's a, he's a project, and I, I'm i a big fan of him. I, I said from the beginning, I, I liked him a lot more than other guys do. Um, I just, I agree with you, too, on the fact that I think after you take Love, you've got to go get yourself a weapon and Rogers. Um, I'm an Eagles fan, so I, I know what it's like to not have weapons. It sucks. And we went through with your star quarterback. Um, you got to get those guys some uh, some help on the outside. And they went they went power running back in the second round, which I didn't agree with. But overall, I think Packers fans do need to kind of calm down. And I think I think you nailed it there. All right, guys, thanks for listening. And Brian, thanks again for joining us. Um, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Make sure to uh, give us a share. Make sure to uh, give us a rating. And we will talk to you guys next week.